Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Familypreneur podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome Michaela Quinn. Michaela is a wife, a mom, a teacher, a lifelong learner, and the founder of the Live Free Mama movement. She helps moms launch their freelance business using the skills they already have so that they can have more freedom, flexibility, and financial stability to be the mom they want to be. Before we meet Michaela, I need to preface this episode with an important update. This episode was recorded on December 9th of 2017. The very next morning on December 10th, Michaela's eight-month-old son, George, who we talk about in this episode, tragically passed away. I learned this devastating news just days before her episode was scheduled to publish, and we considered pulling it. But Michaela courageously made the decision to share her story as planned. She has found a little bit of comfort from the fact that she was able to spend so much time with George. Working from home allowed her to experience so much more of George's short life than she was able to when her daughter was the same age. Michaela truly is a strong and resilient mama who is so deeply passionate about encouraging other parents. The following is the interview as it was originally recorded on December 9th. Hi, Michaela. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'd like to ask you about teaching. That's where your career started. Can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to be a teacher and then when things changed for you? Yeah. So my mom was a teacher and as a little girl, I grew up watching her go to school or go to work and teach. And I would get all of her old supplies when she got new textbooks or at the end of the school year had projects or all those sorts of supplies. I got them and I made a little school in my basement and that's what I played. That was my, I had my little dolls. And then when my friends would come over, I'd make them be my students. And so I just always grew up kind of being a teacher Mm -hmm. and I knew that that's what I wanted to do um, ever since I was young from watching my mom and every job I had in high school and college, I was either a nanny. I worked at a daycare and a gym. I worked at the boys and girls club in Manhattan, always with kids and always in this kind of teacher, teacher role. So that's what I wanted to do. And and it just made sense for me. How long were you a teacher? I taught for four years, three full-time. And then my last year was part-time. Why are you not a teacher now? What, what changed? (laughs) Oh gosh. It's, 
It's so hard because I, I was so passionate and I loved it. And like my first year of teaching, I was not married. And so I was able to pour all of my heart and soul into being a teacher and I felt so fulfilled and I loved it. And then the second year I was pregnant. And so I still was able to really give that time. But then my third year, when my daughter was born, I, I don't know if it was a little bit of postpartum anxiety or what, but I just started hating my job. I hated putting my daughter in daycare gave me anxiety. And then there was that guilt of someone else was spending more time with her because when they're so little, I don't know about you, but we do an early bedtime at our house. So do we. Oh God, I love it. We would come home, I'd pick her up and we'd have like an hour and a half and then it would be bedtime. And then on the weekends, I was grading papers, planning lessons, and there was just, or doing all the like household stuff that had to get done that I couldn't do during the week. And so I just felt like the time I had to be the mom I wanted to be was limited. I feel like I can relate to that stuff so much. We do all the same things and that's how it was for us when we were working is we do bed at seven. What time is your bed? Um, it's anywhere from 6.30 to 7.30. Last night was a 6.30 bedtime for my son and it was great. <laughs> and how old are your kids now? My daughter, McLaren, is um, two and a half and my son, George, is eight months. Yeah. And my kids are older too. Mine are um, two, four, six, and 10. So even the 10-year-old, she's in her room at seven. You know, she'll read until like eight, but bedtime is seven. Yeah. What, what were the moves that you made? Like you were unhappy teaching. My first move was just to complain and be grumpy and be mad. And that was really unfair to my husband. But finally, I, instead of complaining and being unhappy, I started searching. And then I started like online, I was Googling how to work from home, how to be a stay at home mom, because we sat down and looked at our finances and to maintain our current lifestyle, I could not bring home money. And I didn't make a lot. Like I taught at a Catholic school. It was pennies. And after we paid daycare, it really wasn't that much. But I, we still had to do that or else we would have had to sell our house and downsize. But like that wasn't really what we wanted to do either. Then I started looking at work from home jobs, how to work from home. And Googling that, at least when I was Googling that, it was like spammy really like creepy looking opportunities. None of them looked real. I didn't know anything about freelancing. So then my next step was just telling everyone, like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And some people looked at me like, that doesn't exist. But finally, I told the right person and she told me about this job source board. And so I applied for that. It was a 30 for three months subscription. And you basically just got access to all of these work from home jobs. And so I was working full time and I had a student teacher. And so while I had a student teacher and she kind of took over, this is bad. (laughs) This is so bad. But I was like looking and looking for, for jobs. And then the school year ended and I didn't have a job, but I talked it out with my principal that I would go part time. And so then that summer, I really just started applying for every job I could. And when August came around, I had my first client. So it was like my first day back at work and I had a paying client. And I was like, shoot, I should have just not signed my contract. But so I stuck it out part-time for another year and built the freelance app on the side. So what were you offering? Like what was, what were you doing for your client? 
So the way like the job source board works, it, it's much more like the traditional job. So I just did whatever they wanted. I didn't, I didn't even know I had a business. <laughs> it started out as just email management, forwarding her, her important emails and um, deleting the spam emails, responding to customer. Uh, she was a business coach. So responding to customer emails. And then I started managing her Facebook group and then got more social media responsibilities with her. And is that something that everybody can do? Or like, do you just need, do you need a start, certain skill set? <laughs> um, no, you do not at all. To start, there's so many opportunities out there in the freelance world. And I think everyone has something that makes sense to start. Totally. That's awesome. Is the site that you used before, is that still a good site to go to? I don't think it is because I've, I've sent some people there and um, the feedback that I have gotten has not been good. Are there sites that would be good for people to go to to look? I don't really recommend that route anymore. Okay. I think some people have luck with it, but my method that after I moved away from the job source boards was Facebook groups. As the service provider as the freelancer, I had a lot more control over what I did, my rates and, you know, like all that stuff when I worked, how I worked versus the job source boards. And I also found that they were way more profitable. What tips do you have for moms who are thinking about starting? Like, obviously you just mentioned Facebook groups. So I kind of have it broken down into like four main categories. So they need the clarity piece clarity on who they want to work with and what services they want to offer. And then kind of clarity on what their packaging and their pricing is going to be to start. And then they need to think about how they're going to get visibility and build that storefront so that people can find them. Are they going to build a website? Are they going to do a Facebook business page? Are they just going to have an online portfolio? You definitely do not need all of those pieces to start. Like I built my business without a business page. All I had was an online portfolio. It's not necessarily what I recommend, but that's what I did. And I had, I was able to make more than I did full-time teaching without those pieces. But you do need to think about how are you going to get visibility and maybe word of mouth is part of your visibility plan. The third is they need to get strategic. So you have the clarity, you have the visibility, people can find you, but how are you going to get strategic about finding clients? Are you going to go into Facebook groups? Are you going to use the job source boards? Are you going to go local? Like, how are you going to go find clients? Because at the beginning, they're not just going to flock to you. At least I don't think that wasn't how it worked for me. And then the last piece is they need to get confident, confident in their systems, confident in the, in the procedures, confident in the process, but then also also confidence in their skill set and the value that they bring to to clients. And those are all things that you help with, right? Yeah. Because I think that's for me, that's another quest thing that I'd feel like, well, how do I get those four things? So you have resources that'll help guide them through that. I have a brainstorming guide to help them walk through their current and past jobs and kind of look at all the different tasks and skill sets that that job has look at what they love, what they hate, and then kind of help them narrow down to what services they could potentially offer as a freelancer. That's got to be like the number one struggle for people, right? I know so many people in real life who 
are working that typical nine to five and they, they see what I'm doing or what other entrepreneurs are doing. And it looks, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not all rainbows and butterflies, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's appealing to people, but they feel like they don't have marketable skills, you know, and everybody really does. And it's just figuring out what those are. Right. I've worked with a lot of moms that were like online business being their, being that entrepreneur was very new to them. And, but a lot of them had such valuable skill sets. They were marketing directors for high schools. They were um, doing sales for companies. They were, they were in these awesome careers and they came to me and they're like, okay, I'm going to start out doing admin virtual assistants, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's where I started. But I had to give them a wake up call and be like, no, you know, all the social media platforms, you know how to do this stuff. Like there is no, I mean, you can, but you can also start out and build your business with some of those higher level service offerings. That's my big focus is to help moms figure out what makes the most sense to start out for them. Now we can look to like future offerings and like where you would want to learn, but to start your business, I I think it makes the most sense to start with what you currently are good at. That makes sense to me. Sometimes you need a a third party, somebody on the outside looking in to kind of identify those things. Yeah. And to help like that confidence piece of you've got these skills now go find the clients that'll pay you. (laughs) Have you worked with a coach yourself? I did. I am. Yes, I am currently. Oh, you're currently, so you are a coach and you're working with a coach. Yeah. (laughs) That shows you how important you think it is, right? Oh yeah. And definitely think that you can do it without a course, without a coach. Probably all of the information out there via podcasts, via blogs, um, go to Pinterest and search. But the thing for me was that confidence piece really comes with working with a coach. And then the results that I have gotten, I would not have been able to get those results as fast as I've been getting them without that coach. Do you think it's an accountability thing? It's an accountability thing, but it's also just like a mentorship I was really strategic in the coach that I picked and it was someone that I I trusted and I believe in wholeheartedly. And um, I've seen her success and I know that working with her and her mindset and her, like her goals for her clients, I knew that that was what I wanted. So I think one thing that I know I've experienced is that success isn't always immediate, right? Like, oh yeah. We tend to stumble and fall and then you have to pick yourself up and learn from it and, and move on. Yeah. You hit some failures before you find your success. So do you have any tips for, for moms that maybe they already started and they've stumbled and fallen or, or maybe they did something a couple of years ago and now they're feeling like, is it really for me? What would you say to those people? Okay. So my first business that I started when I was teaching, this was full-time teaching my daughter like was bald. And so I kind of like to be crafty. I'm not the best, but I started making bows and I was trying to sell bows, but I knew nothing about business, nothing about sales. So I sold maybe like a hundred bows to family, but I didn't have the clarity on who I was selling to the visibility. I knew nothing. And so it, it failed. Oh my gosh. It was so embarrassing. And it, it, um, held me back for a long time because it was like, no one's going to trust me because my first business failed. But I don't know, something just clicked and I got over it. And I decided that I can't look at that or any other like failure from the past or even in this current business as failure. 
I just look at it as that like mountain you got to climb over or that like place on your journey that is leading you to where you're supposed to be. It's funny that you say that too, because I I did a bow business too. Did you really? Yeah. Isn't that funny? And I started it just after my first kiddo. I've had multiple like direct sales and fail, fail, fail. You get When you start something, you get so excited and you just expect that everyone is going to be as excited as you. When you put something out there, sometimes there's crickets and you're like, oh gosh, no one wants this. But that's not necessarily true. They just might not know. So you got to keep telling, you got to keep talking and keep trying. And maybe your first offer, no one wants. Well, then figure out why don't they want it? Like, what is the reason? And use every like no or every failure as kind of like a learning experience. One of my favorite pieces of advice I heard, and I, I want to say it was from Shalene Johnson. I could totally be wrong though, was you have to like take it back a step. If you present something and your audience isn't taking it, Mm -hmm. you have to ask yourself like, maybe this isn't what they think they need. Mm -hmm. You have to try to figure out like what they think they need and then figure out how you can market your product as the solution to what they think they need, even if you know they need something else. Everything is just like a learning experience. And like, I hate the word launch. It sounds so scary. and like oh my gosh, I just launched something once and then it's just going to blow up. That's not true. I I like to use the word testing. So I'm like, I'm testing this new course or I'm testing this, this new offering or this new package and seeing how it does. And if it does really well, awesome. If it doesn't, okay, let me learn from it. Take it that step back to see how I can move forward in the future. Oh, I like that. Because you're right. Launch Sometimes it's just hitting that publish button. Like you're almost hesitant to do it because you think that once you hit publish, the whole world sees it, which isn't the case because nobody's going to see it until you tell them to go there. Like that's not how it works. My gosh. I never had a business page as a freelancer. And when I switched to this business coach role in my business, I like was so stressed about like my coming out post because none of my family and friends knew I worked. They thought I just quit my job and stayed home. And so I was like stressing over this coming out post that I was going to say, Hey, people actually, guess what? I have been working. (laughs) So I like worked way too long on this post and I put it out there and like, it was crickets, not even my mom saw it or like did or commented. (laughs) And so that'll happen. And one of my mentors, she's very well known and very well established. And she said something along the lines of, guess what? There's people in her personal life that don't even know what she does. You got to put it out there multiple, 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 multiple times. It's kind of like marketing, which is my background. You know, people don't buy things the first time they see it. Like they need to be interacting and engaging with the content six, seven plus times. It sounds like what you're saying is it's the same thing with friends and family just acknowledging your business. Yeah. Even like in my business page and in my group, I feel like sometimes I tell people way too many times about my services, my courses and how I can help them. But then I'll do a promo and it'll get done. And then some people message me and be like, I never even knew, like I never saw anything. And I'm like, ah, there's that internal struggle of, am I promoting myself too much? Am I not? And sometimes the, the like failure could just be people didn't know about it. So what was like your biggest fear launching and, and how did you overcome it? My biggest fear was what will people think of me? What will my friends and family think? Especially tied back to that boat business. Are they going to just like, 
roll their eyes and like, oh, here she goes again. Like that fear prevented me from going forward for a long time. And I really don't know what it was, but something switched. And I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore what they'll think. I'm going to give this my best shot. And I believe in myself. And I know that if this doesn't work out how it's supposed to or how I want it to, I believe in my my business and my work ethic that I will be able to pivot this into something that will you know, give me that financial stability, that freedom from the nine to five that I want. And I think that that's a similar switch that I, I personally had too, where you start to realize at some point that what matters more is my husband, my kids, myself. Right. You guys can all think I'm crazy, but right. it's working for my family. So, <laughs> And the kids for me is so, so important. I kind of struggled with confidence and believing in myself in middle school and high school, college even, being a mom even. And I don't want my kids to doubt themselves. And so I want to give them example, an example of what it means to believe in yourself and be confident in yourself and just live without fear of failure and and believing in themselves. And your kids are still kind of little in the grand scheme of things. Are they home with you while you're working or how do you balance that? Yes, they are home. I started my business like I'm going to do it all. I'm going to only work in the nap time hours when they're sleeping early morning. But now that I'm finding that's just not feasible. And so I work probably 40 to 50 plus hours a week right now with minimal daycare. I finally had to reach out to my mother-in-law and she helps out one day a week. And that's like my call day. I, I wake up, I work from five to seven. I work during nap time and I work in the evenings and on the weekends and it's just not sustainable. So I'm actually looking at hiring a college student to come out. I'm going to start with one day a week because I still very much want to be hands-on and like I love our fun morning routines. I want to get out there and take them to go do stuff. But I also really want to have that set time where I can work on my business and focus because I'm finding that I'm torn between wanting to work and wanting to be with my kids. And so I'm kind of at this place where I'm giving 50% to them and I don't want that. And I can get a little like angry if they wake up from their nap early. And I'm like, why am I getting angry? Like this, I wanted to be home. So I'm just working at finding that better balance. And in 2018, we're starting out with an extra day of childcare that I can have that time. And we'll see how how it progresses. And if it's any consolation, I think that anger is normal. I feel that. Oh gosh, good. <laughs> it is still nap time. Go. Yeah. Like nap time is from one to three, but they're kids. They don't follow my schedule, but they should. They should. <laughs> I feel that pain. My kids are home with me too. My husband's here too, though. So, I mean, he's out there helping as well. And you said your husband supports you a lot too, right? Oh yeah, he does. Especially when I'm working, like one of my big chunks of times is the evening. And so we come home, have dinner and it's kind of like tag your it. I go up to my office. I start working. He never was really like that. I mean, he was a great husband and great father, but he was never really hands-on and cleaning and the cooking. That's one thing he had to step up majorly in. Like he's folding laundry. That's crazy. He never folded laundry. And it's just like my biggest, biggest cheerleader on the days where I'm like, oh, Colin, I put this out there and no one commented or no one. He's just like, keep going, keep doing it. I'm just impressed that you guys fold laundry. We have a clean basket. <laughs> when, when I see clutter, 
I like mentally feel cluttered and then I can't, I can't focus. And so like one of my things is Colin, I need the house to be like semi straightened up at the end of the evening so that I can start my day fresh. And it doesn't always happen because he also doesn't fit my schedule. And he likes to tell me I'm not a robot. Um, I can't just do everything you want, everything you say all the time. But I, I feel so much better and I can get so much more done when I wake up and like our main level is clean and organized. Yeah, no, that makes sense. What's like your number one when our listeners walk away from this podcast, the thing that they should take away from it? Like your number one piece of advice or a tip or a trick or what's the number one thing you want to leave people with? Just one thing. And this is something that I follow and it's actually up on my wall. I'm in my office right now and I wanted this to be like filled with inspirational and like happy thoughts. One of the phrases that I have been hearing from Dana Malstaff, it comes up in like all of her stuff on her podcast and in her group and at the boss mom retreat I went to is this idea of done, not perfect. So if you're starting out and you are launching your freelance business, whatever services you are going to offer, just start, like get it out there. You don't have to have a website. You don't have to have a business page. You just have to kind of have that at the very beginning, that clarity of what you're offering and start telling people. It's kind of like having kids, right? Like if you waited until you were ready, you'd be waiting forever because you never feel like you're ready. You're never ready. If you start with something, nothing is set in stone. That's what I love. You have the freedom to change. If something's not working for you, you have the freedom to kind of change it and tweak it to be something that works for you and your family. No, that's great. And then you talked about the freebie that you are offering. Tell us one more time a little bit about that freebie and what it'll do for our listeners and then where they can find it. So you can find it. I'll tell that first at MichaelaQuinn.com slash brainstorming dash guide. It will walk you through my step-by-step process of figuring out what service makes the most sense for you to start offering today. That's awesome. So it's like completely first stop. You can get started right from that freebie. Oh yeah. And you can take that and then go launch your business. And then where can our listeners just find out more about you, whether it's your website, social media? So I hang out a lot in Facebook. Facebook is like my my happy place. Um, I have a business page. I do a lot of, I do some interviews there. I do some tutorial videos there. And then I have a Facebook group. So my business page is the Live Free Mama. And um, my group is the Live Free Mama Mastermind. So I'd love to have you. I'd love to get to know you. If you join my group, make sure you introduce yourself and say, hey, I heard you on the Familypreneur podcast. Sounds great. And we'll put all of those links all in the show notes. So they'll be nice and easy for people to find. Awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with me today and sharing your story with our listeners and all of your advice. I really do think it's so important that even if you're in a job, you know, you feel like it's stable, it's bringing home that stable paycheck and and you're happy with it, the insurance and all that stuff. Having just something on the side is a great insurance policy because so many things could happen and you just never know. Um, And I'm really passionate about ensuring that everybody knows that they have marketable skills. So I think this is a great step for absolutely anybody to take. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I loved sharing my story with you and hearing how we had so much in common. I know. It's crazy (laughs) how that works, right? Yeah. Thanks, Michaela. Again, I want to extend my condolences to Michaela and her family, and I want to thank her for her bravery in sharing this interview with us, despite the current tragedy she's facing. In lieu of flowers, the family has asked for donations to be made in George's name 
to the Catholic Education Foundation in Kansas. You can find all of the show notes to this episode, including all of the links and recommendations that we mentioned at megbrunson.com slash three. In the last episode, we shared the number one piece of advice for parents pursuing entrepreneurship from the perspective of 12 successful parent entrepreneurs. It's a super value-packed episode that also introduces you to some of the podcast guests that you will hear from in the coming weeks. So be sure to go back and give that a listen. In the next episode, we will meet Lisa Bet LaCoy, who will give us a sneak peek into her life as an entrepreneur surrounded by an entrepreneurial family. Lisa's parents, her husband, and her children are all entrepreneurial, and we'll discuss topics related to homeschooling, tribe building, and more. Subscribing to the podcast is one way to make sure that you don't miss it. us a favor share this podcast to a friend it's like my mom always says sharing is caring